0: Nine and three now since John Hines took over are the Minnesota Wild. And again, it's not as though it is a major change that has happened since Hines took over, but the devil is in the details. We'll talk about the Minnesota Wild's bench boss and what he has continued to do to put the team in good positions to succeed, as well as getting you ready for tomorrow's battle against Boston, all on today's episode of Locked on Wild. You're Locked On Wild, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, this is Brandon Duham and this is Locked On Wild. What is happening, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any new episodes throughout the week. On today's episode of Locked On Wild, we discuss some of the little things that John Hines has continued to preach since he took over that has led to the Wilds 9-3 since he took over, and uh, some fun details to pass along uh, throughout his tenure as head coach as well. Today's episode of Lockdown Wild is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code NHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. My name is Seth Topall, your daily Minnesota Wild insider, winding things down before the uh, Christmas weekend and I found myself on my lunch break today at work watching the latest episode that the Minnesota Wild put out of Beyond Our Ice. In the foxhole uh, is the title of the latest installment. And a lot of it details what has happened for the Minnesota Wild since Dean Everson was fired and since John Hines took over. And we've talked at length about some of the things that John Hines has assisted this team with uh, in order to get them back on track, while also acknowledging that a lot of it has been the players stepping up their performance over these last 12 games. And so you have a situation in which a head coach is trying to jump into a moving car and trying to get things back on a smooth course, over the destination. But I think we've seen a just a, a huge amount of little details that have led to the Wilds being able to uh, come away with as many wins as they have, getting themselves back into the playoff conversation after looking like they were clearly out of it at the beginning of the year. But some of the things that I noticed that I thought just were really enjoyable, and I, I just want to throw fully out there right off the bat that I am not suggesting that Dean Evason didn't do any of those these things. By and large, we know Dean was a players coach. The players had a tremendous amount of respect for him while he was coaching the Minnesota Wild. And maybe it's on me a little bit for not having paid attention as much to some of these things, but let me just hit you with a couple of details that I observed watching beyond our ice and that uh, that I was able to glean over the last couple of weeks since Hines took over. Number one, uh, the level of communication that Heinz had with the team when he took over, talking to the team in the room, going through and personally talking to each player and trying to build that level of uh, relationship right off the bat to uh, just try to get a better understanding of kind of what makes the team tick and uh, and what leads to them being in successful spots. Again, that's not a revolutionary idea. It's not as though John Hines is, has reinvented the wheel in terms of how to be an effective coach at the NHL level. But just seeing that level of communication, it reminds me of a passage from uh, Joe Smith and Michael Russo at The Athletic shortly after John Hines took over in which they talked about as Hines was starting to incorporate some changes that included a personnel switch on the penalty kill. And two guys that we had seen have a ton of penalty kill time under Dean Evison were Ryan Hartman and Freddie Goudreau. And Hines noted that he felt it very important in those instances in order to go up to both players in the case of Goudreau and Hartman to talk them through the reasoning behind it. And again, not suggesting that Dean Evason didn't do any of these things, but how many times do we recall over the last couple of years in which there was a decision made and there wasn't really a ton of discussion Behind it, I remember vividly when Ryan Hartman was scratched after taking a couple of critical penalties last year. He got a healthy scratch after a game, I think, in which he committed two or three penalties. He said that he understood it, but it seemed as though there wasn't a huge conversation as to why it was happening. And this is the kind of thing, too, getting full buy in from players on the team. Everybody's adults. Players understand that they're not performing up to the level that is necessary, and so that's going to, in a lot of cases, mean that they are not going to get the same amount of playing time in key spots as they had been. Everybody understands that, but what draws frustration and draws um, players getting upset is when things happen without being told without being talked through it and hines i think the fact that he made a point to talk to both of those guys in those situations whereas other coaches may just look at that as just not even something that enters into their thought process i think is is huge and you know not only knowing when to push when to talk players through things but look at some of Hines' comments after Kirill Kaprizov's uh, game winners the last couple of nights. I mean, how refreshing has that been to hear? And I'm actually going to go to Michael Russo's Twitter account to pull up the actual quote uh, so that I uh, don't get it wrong here. Hines uh, talking about Kaprizov's game winning goal in overtime. Good players find ways in those situations. That's why he's such a good offensive player. It's just the instincts to get to spots where you can score. It's not a coachable thing. That's why guys like him are special players. And Hines was pretty vocal about after his uh, opening game win against the St. Louis Blues, saying that the team made it easy on him uh, in that they they did a lot of the, the little things right to where he didn't have to do a ton of coaching. But in some of the snippets, too, and again, in a production like Beyond Our Ice, you are trying to get some of those types of clips to um, to highlight, to fit exactly the sorts of things that I'm talking about. But I just liked seeing Hines in one particular instance talking to Marco Rossi about his positioning to try to take away the middle of the ice and to go up the middle of the ice so that you have the opportunity to go to one end or the other. And he's coaching that to him during a game on the bench. And not only that, I got to tell you, and it's just because, um, it's just kind of because of my reaction to it. Uh, I was watching Judd's hockey show after the uh, Montreal game a little bit here uh, today as well. And one of the comments noted that after Rossi got the 2, 5, and 10 for uh, for fighting Ghoul after he blasted Kirill Kaprizov, Hines gave him a fist bump as he was headed to the tunnel. And so, I don't know, I just I just like the vibe that Hines has cultivated because he's come into this situation as Michael Russo and Joe Smith have done a fantastic job at the athletic of highlighting as a guy who has learned from his previous stops, he's learned from his tenure as head coach of the devils. He's learned from his tenure as head coach of the Nashville predators. And he is trying to build off of that by getting constructive feedback from previous players at previous stops and trying to do what a lot of us would do in situations in which we get fired from one or two previous spots is to use it as a teachable moment and use it for an opportunity to better yourself. And so, you know, I was talking in the comments for the the postcast last night, uh, Bob noting that it just seems like this team had plenty of speed and skill, but it was just covered up by the fact that you know they they tried to play just this lumbering defensive rigid structure um, that that led to a lot of games them looking tired and out of place, and it's it's still pretty much the same thing. This is still a team that relies on their defense and their goaltending to win games, while getting enough scoring to be able to take pressure off at points during the season. But the fact that Hines came in and the first thing that he did was say, we have to prioritize speed and not just in foot speed, but also in quickness of decision-making so that you don't have instances in which you get stuck on your defensive zone. You can't clear the puck out and it leads to multiple opportunities for the opponent to score, which then leads to where you all of a sudden get stuck with one or two goals in a short succession because you just can't get out of your own end so he eliminated that almost immediately off the bat and it has led to a team you can probably count on one hand since he took over the number of times in which you visibly notice the wilds having an inability to get the puck out of their own end of the ice and so we we knew this coming in about John Hines when he took over that he's a details he's a very detail oriented head coach. And he is very thorough in his preparation. Some of that showed through on the beyond our ice, which he was talking about some of the things that, um, that that's opponents would try to do, you know, in the instance of Nashville for, uh, for example, but I found it refreshing too, that he had the mentality of, you know, let's accentuate our skill, our speed, the things that we do well, and let's put Nashville in situations to where they're having to play on their heels, and uh, and having to try to defend against us, as opposed to that opposite mentality of, oh boy, we got a team coming in that uh, that we're going to have some trouble against here tonight. So we really got to really got to make sure that we are putting ourselves in good positions to uh, to defend here. Uh, I just it's mentality stuff, and so you know a lot of that is obviously hard to keep going when you lose as many games as the wild did so far this season. But again, the devil's in the details and John Hines has come in and he has by keeping things mostly the same, but making subtle tweaks. He has led to instances in which this team just has confidence and belief in themselves again. But I think the right things are being prioritized. He talked about how, To win in this league, you have to be quick. You have to play fast, and uh, you can't get stuck trying to make decisions while other teams are reacting to what you're doing. And so, I just i i have been super impressed with a lot of what we've seen from him so far. I know some of the roster things that we've seen have um, there have been a few things that uh, that cause us to kind of eye roll. For the most part, but I do want to also acknowledge the fact that we have a pretty concrete group of players that are relied upon for almost every critical situation that comes up throughout games. I referenced it on last night's postcast, the Heinz core. And so we will discuss a little more in detail what exactly the Heinz core is and identify the players that make it up as we continue today's episode of Locked On Wilds after this. Today's episode of Locked on Wild is brought to you by Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities, whether it be Marco Rossi's pursuit of 30 goals, Kirill Kaprizov trying to get back to his uh, previous season averages, or someday down the line, the Minnesota Wild hoisting the Stanley Cup. You can win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked on NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey. Because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether elite-level players like McDavid, Ovechkin, Crosby, or McKinnon will record more or less than their Sleeper projections for categories like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in a given game. Folks, my picks for the game against the Boston Bruins. Kirill Kaprizov, obviously. I'm going to go Matt Boldy. And I'm going to go Jewel Eriksson-Eck. I think if you uh, can get Jewel eriksson for good value, I think he'll be able to, uh, especially in the shots department. He's due for another big game. And so uh, that is uh, who I would be putting my money on through Sleeper. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Welcome back to today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, we thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. We are also your team every day. And a reminder the Sports Podcast Awards have uh, made Locked on Wild a finalist for Best Hockey Podcast for uh, the 2024 year. The reason it's 2024 is because the voting actually ends at the end of January. So you can head to the description for this video with a link for how to vote if you have not already. Again, I believe the stipulations are one vote per email address. Um, beyond that, I uh, I don't think there's a limit per se. So head to the link in the description to vote for Lockdown Wild as the best hockey podcast. For 2024, in the Sports Podcast Awards. Our friends at Bardown Beauties also nominated. And so, uh, if you have the opportunity to vote twice or three times, how about this? Vote three times, vote twice for Lockdown Wild and vote once for Bardown Beauties so that uh, we can make the final three of the, uh, the finalists. So, you can find that in the episode description. Now, let's talk about the Heinz Corps. I coined this phrase yesterday in uh, our Locked on Wild postcast, which, again, if you have not had a chance to check out our Locked on Wild postcasts on YouTube, they are an absolute riot, and it seems like they get more popular every game. So you can find them on YouTube about 30 to 40 minutes after the game is done. Uh, just want to make sure that we get post-season, post-game interviews. Just a chance to uh, to get my thoughts uh, concretely arranged in my head too so make sure to join us but as we talked about the Heinz core is the group of players that John Hines regularly goes to in critical situations and it's I think the exact players that you would want him to be going to in critical spots down the stretch and those players that have been most commonly near the top of the minutes lists in the game-winning situations or critical situations down the stretch, Jewel Eriksson-Eck, Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Boldy, Marco Rossi, Brock Faber. That is, I think, pretty easy to identify as the core of this team right now. And I say right now because obviously you've got guys like Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen hurt at this moment you got Matt Socarello um, as well. But if you want to talk about the players that make this team tick, it's those five guys. Jewel Eriksson, I know he hasn't had a ton in the way of points over the last handful of games. He's got one point in his last six, but he has played 21 plus minutes in each of those games. He has had three or more shots in every one of those games, with the exception of the Pittsburgh game. Um, which was the only loss in the last six for the Minnesota Wilds. But he continues to be a critical piece to what this team is doing. Power play, penalty kill, overtime, late-game face-offs, whatever you need, Jewel eriksson is there to answer the bell and to be able to do it when this team needs it. And this is something that we saw a lot with Dean Evison is that your minutes get... Um, the minute numbers would be heavily staggered one way or the other in terms of like, well, your top six are going to get 24, 25 minutes a piece, and your bottom six guys are going to play, you know, seven or eight minutes a night. Hines has been able to mix those guys in more regularly during the game to give you an opportunity to have your top-level guys available down the stretch to give you key minutes and key shifts. How many times have we seen in overtime the combinations of Kaprizov, Eriksson and Faber, Boldy, Rossi, Faber, Kaprizov, Eriksson and Middleton? Those have been the guys, especially in overtime, that are called upon to go win the game. And it's no coincidence, as Hines noted, that he really never had a sense of panic about Kirill Kaprizov um, at points even to where his scoring streak had not gotten going again. Um, He talked about even a couple of games ago that you just let him continue to do his thing and he's going to eventually figure it out and he now has uh, six points in the last three games, which is leading a lot of people to suggest that uh, he may be feeling himself again um, finally here this season. And it's ironic because you look at it now, and Kaprizov in 31 games has 30 points, including 11 goals. And so Hines, I think... Understood, as we talked about quite a bit here on Locked on Wild, that in order to get off out of this, you kind of just got to let him feel through it. And now in these last three games, it looks like he certainly has. But I think we have a situation of a guy trusting his superstar in Hines. And not that Dean Evison didn't. Again, I'm not trying to turn this into a Dean Evison shade fest. It's just the differences that we've seen since Heinz took over and trying to get a guy double shifts. We've seen him play with the fourth line more than a few times when uh, Connor Dewar had his hat trick in the next couple games after. You see Kaprizov playing with those guys just to try to sneak him in for an opportunity for a mismatch down the stretch. And so Eric Sinek, Kaprizov, Marco Rossi, and Brock Faber, both as young players, Uh, continuing to blossom and continuing to have full trust of John Hines. Um, There there literally is not a situation during a game in which John Hines would shy away from using Brock Faber. And he has vaulted from 12th. um, He's vaulted from in the 20s in terms of average time on ice amongst NHL defensemen to inside the top 10 in the last week and you look at it in five, four of the last five games, 30-plus minutes. And Faber has only been a negative in one of those games. And that was the last game against Montreal. But beyond that, he has been a plus defender in pretty much all of those games. And he just continues to gain confidence, gain understanding. Look at what he's done on the power play. And again... John Hines putting him on that unit, maybe a little bit out of necessity with Spurgeon and Brodine out, but putting him on that lineup and just allowing him to do his thing and putting Marco Rossi in critical situations down the stretch and allowing him to just do his thing and talking about the growth and maturation of these young players that he has the opportunity to use and see fully bloom is, again... A credit to what John Hines has done since he took over. And the other guy, and this is the one where I think he has maybe had the most direct impact in, is Matt Boldy. And Boldy was chilly, to say the least, with uh, the final few games of Dean Evison. He played just a couple games in October, did have a goal, but then month of November... He has just seven points, a goal and six assists. And now here in the month of December, seven goals, three assists. He has uh, 10 total points, but he's also a plus nine in the uh, month of December alone. And so John Hines coming in and saying, this is a guy that we need to get going. This is a guy that we need to get some more out of and being able to do it. And to have Boldy now consistently playing well enough to where he's one of those guys that you rely upon as part of the Heinz core again just speaks to some of the changes that we've seen from this team since he took over. And you're not seeing some of those regular suspects in late game situations just not able to uh not able to get it done. It's those top five, it's those five guys. That really run the ship here these days for the Minnesota Wild. And so that's exactly who it should be. And I think it's it has shown some encouragement as to what this team has going forward. Because, you know, when things were not going well, a lot of the focus was on the contract extensions. And they're still there. It's not like they've gone away. But it just seems like now we have finally got our focus where it needs to be with those top-level guys who continue to get it done and have propelled this team to 9-3 and three in their last 12 games. So the Heinz core is alive and well, as uh, we'll continue to call it here through the rest of the season. But how will they fare against tomorrow's opponent, the Boston Bruins? Well, we'll give you a little bit of a teaser for tomorrow's game against Boston as we finish today's episode of Lockdown Wilds. After this, today's episode of Lockdown Wild is also brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, if you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Once again, we thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Again, make sure to vote. Link in the description for today's episode for the Sports Podcast Awards. Let's see if we can get Lockdown Wild some hardware here to start 2024. Uh, let's talk about the Boston Bruins, tomorrow's opponent for the Minnesota Wild and the Bruins playing the Winnipeg Jets here this evening. Uh, and so uh, we'll keep an eye on that one tonight, but unfortunately won't have uh, results of that game until, uh, until we uh, see how things go for tomorrow. But the Wild able to steal one from the Boston Bruins on the road, although the Bruins with a goal late to uh, to send it to overtime, and uh, the Minnesota Wild able to outlast them thanks to Kirill Kaprizov coming away with uh, the overtime winner. But the story here in that game was the Minnesota Wild taking the lead early and uh, the Bruins then score the next two goals to make it two to one. They score with one second left on the clock to end the first period. But the key was the Minnesota Wilds being able to continue to push and to not roll over. This has been another key for this team since John Hines took over. They haven't had a ton of it. But anytime they have faced adversity, they have been able to continue to push and so the fact that the wild were able to keep it 2 to 1 and to continue to just just try to chip away and try to put themselves in positions to take the lead we saw what happened when they finally were able to break back through in the third period as kaprizov and hartman score back to back to give the wild a 3 to 2 lead So, for the Wilds playing the Bruins on the second night of a back to back, they're going to have to do the same things that they did in that first matchup. You got to get off to an early start. We talked about it with Montreal for Thursday's game. You got to get off to an early start because Montreal, not a team that wins a ton of games in regulation for the Boston Bruins, they are the exact opposite because they are able to get out to early leads against the teams that they play. And the Bruins are going to be hungry regardless of what happens against the Winnipeg Jets here tonight because they have lost three out of their last four and they want to get back on track and uh, get back to winning games again. But the Bruins have 15 of their 19 wins in regulation. Uh, Two wins in overtime plus two wins in a shootout um, is, is the ledger for the Bruins so far this season. And so it's a team that is capable of playing in the extra session, but they really want to get their games decided in regulation. And so for the Minnesota Wilds, keys for them to come away with a win against the Boston Bruins are to keep the battle level high. That's that's kind of may seem like a cliche term, but especially in this type of a game. Because what did we see against the Bruins in Boston earlier this week? It was a feisty game, a very feisty game. And we saw this against Montreal, too. The Wild are not afraid of a challenge. And so if the Boston Bruins are going to try to come in here and give you one, game on. So keep that battle level high. And for the Wilds, in order to keep this one closer, you have to eliminate. You have to cut those careless penalties. We saw just one against Montreal. Now, the others were physically re- related with Rossi getting the 2, 5, and 10, with Bogosian getting the double minor uh, behind the net. Maroon had a fight. And so if you can, it, those types of penalties are going to happen. If there's stuff that's going on in the ice, I would much rather see it taken care of right away as opposed to letting it fester. But you can't be trying to chase you can't be trying to put yourself in position to hang on you got to just let go you know frozen let it go if you are in position to where you're close enough to a player but you're pursuing them and you just are thinking about hey maybe i'll try to to get maybe i'll try to just pull myself a little closer don't do it because it's a lethal Boston power play and we saw it and I know it was kind of a I know it was kind of a so-so call and the fact that there was no whistle for like eight seconds despite there being just an absolute barnyard scrum in front of the net and the Bruins were able to chip it in and tie it up but you can't put yourself in a situation to have to defend that type of penalty at that point in the game if you don't do anything questionable enough to be called you don't have to try to defend what ended up being a 6 on 4 because the bruins went empty net in that game so keep the battle level high eliminate the careless penalties and the final one for uh, for this game is going to be to attack linus olmark the same way that they did in Boston, because it looks as though Jeremy Swayman is starting for the Bruins tonight against Winnipeg, which would lead you to believe that on the second night of a back-to-back, that Allmark will get the start against the Minnesota Wilds tomorrow night at the X. And Allmark ended up giving up the four goals, and a lot of them were right in front of the net. Marcus Johansson. Had that rebound kick out from behind the net right to him, tipped it in, and uh, was able to get the Wild on the board early. The Hartman goal right in front of the net. Both of Kaprizov's goals were in close proximity to the net. Dirty areas. We talk about it all the time. Dirty areas are the ones that are the most tricky to defend. If this Wild team tries to play perimeter puck with Boston, that's not a good recipe for success. And so attack the net dirty areas, keep the careless penalties to a minimum and keep the battle level fully up for this game. Final game before Christmas. Let's send the home fans, the fans, let's send the home fans home happy. If I could talk, uh, send the home fans home happy before Christmas and uh, get back to it then after with the game against Detroit so that's what we got for you for today's episode again uh, we thank you for making lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day make sure to vote for the sports podcast awards top podcast of 2024 link is in the description and uh, we'll see you for tomorrow's game against the Boston Bruins until then Make sure to follow along with us by uh, subscribing on YouTube and following us on social media as well. We have new episodes for you every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.